welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the one and only, the mole himself, Chris Tashew. I am the mole, and in the next season of Barney Miller, I become a police officer. <laughs> so, Quite that's a, a thing. Yeah, so don't look too hard at my face, because I will definitely not play a major part of the show's casting moving forward. <laughs> On this episode, we are wrapping up the second season. We normally do three episodes. We're going to talk about four this time. We're talking about the four final episodes of season two, Massage Parlor, The Psychiatrist, The Kid, and The Mole. Those were February 19th, 76, February 26th, March 6th, and March 18th. I think we had a week off for good behavior. Maybe a spring break. Maybe it was fish. Took the guys fishing. They all had a good time. It's kind of like that scene from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, Chris, we talked a little bit about this episode in the last time we spoke, which was the massage parlor or massage parlor. This is the final time that we see Wentworth. What did you think of the massage parlor overall? Well, I will tell you, it didn't answer where Wentworth goes. (laughs) Honestly, this whole episode, all I could think about is the Wentworth character and this being the last time she's on screen. And obviously... In 76, when the folks who were watching this over the boob tube then were watching it, they didn't know that this was the last time she was going to be on the show. I don't know what they cared either way, but we knew this was the last time she's going to be on the show. So I thought it was okay. I mean, the whole thing is like kind of played for laughs. It's okay. I don't know. It it felt a little samey from stuff we've seen before. I can see that. I liked the Chano storyline with the guy who got jumped. What was his name? Mr. Frumpkus, I think it was. No, Mr. Fletcher. And it was Frumpkus who was calling to complain about the titular massage parlor. So, yeah, it was kind of like that sting operation that we've already seen. Let's go down to the park and see who gets assaulted kind of thing. This is let's go to a massage parlor and see who gets proposition for a happy ending of sorts. And this... Reminded me a little bit of like Midnight Cowboy because you have this kind of Oki from Oki Finoki, Lance Peterson coming in here and he very cowboy esque and he's the one that propositions Wentworth. She again is fighting against the sexism of the precinct by saying, Hey, you've sent all these guys to these massage parlors. They're not getting anywhere. Why don't you send me? And then that triggers Wojo to be very overprotective. Again, like you said, very similar to the let's go out to the park and see who gets assaulted thing. And it wasn't great there and it's not great here. No, I didn't need a sequel to it or a redo. That Frumpkiss character, to prove a point of these two episodes almost being the same, because I kind of think they are. The psychiatrist and massage parlor. Frumpkiss is actually in the next episode. But he actually would have made more sense in this episode. This episode, for me, lacked a storyline that was compelling. Because since we've already seen this setup, we all know where this is going. Except this time, Wentworth doesn't come back. She unceremoniously returned to the show, and now she's unceremoniously leaving. At least this time, it's because Linda Lavin went on to her own show. But... I don't know, like this being her last episode, the last time we're going to talk about her on the show. I think she did okay in this episode. It wasn't her strongest outing as the character. Do I remember correctly, did friend of the show Richard Haddam, did he mention that Linda Lavin was difficult to work with, perhaps? I think he may have said something about that. 
Hmm. Or am I thinking, are we thinking of something else? I think we were talking about Barney Miller when we were recording our last episode of Rankin' on Bass, which is another podcast where Chris and I get together and talk about pop culture stuff. That's where we talk about Rankin' and Bass animated, claymated features from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And yeah, Richard uh, Haddam, the writer of DC Titans, joins us on that one. And I believe that a little bit of uh, off-mic conversation was about Linda Lavin possibly being difficult. But she, I always liked her as this character, so it was kind of sad to see her just leave. just leave. It is kind of a bummer. It's not like the other storyline in this episode with the guy getting beaten up by the old ladies is much better than the Wentworth story. This is one of the weaker episodes of this season. It's just kind of a retread of a lot of other stuff we've seen. Even the old lady setup feels familiar. Yeah, though I did like the one old lady who was really flirting with fish and she seemed very very salty i liked her a lot yeah mrs oppenheimer is yeah she was fantastic i mean these four episodes of the show are are, they should also be subtitled uh the ones where fish becomes like a sex demon um or like a sex icon all of a sudden definitely is it the next episode where he really yeah (laughs) yeah exactly almost charmed the pants off of someone yeah it's, uh, yeah, Fish all of a sudden is getting, getting his mojo back, which is fun. So, yeah, it, yeah, this episode's just honestly not, not much. And given how good some of these last couple episodes have been, that just works against it, really. Things are a little bit better in the next episode, The Psychiatrist, even though it has a lot of writers on it. There's story by Gregory Typher. Teleplay by Tony Sheehan, Danny Arnold, and Chris Hayward. And we know that Arnold and Hayward worked on a bunch of these things, but it was just surprising to see so many people's names listed on it. The Psychiatrist is an episode where we have, uh, what is it, Wojo brings in a suspect, and apparently he has been too rough with that subject, um, even to the point of talking about pulling his tongue out. <laughs> Yeah, Wojo's not a good cop. Who would have thought? Yeah, surprising. But hey, where's Wentworth? She's yeah. with she's with Mike now. There's like the mystery department somewhere where all the cops that that one African American cop from the first couple episodes he's over there. Yeah, Mike is Mike's probably gotten a promotion by now. The guy who's not Stensland, he he's there. Hey, Mike. This episode's weird because. The whole pretense is that Wojo, like, Wojo's any different than we've seen him to be this entire time. Like, this is the way he's acted the entire show, and now they're telling us that it's bad. Or somehow he shouldn't be doing it, and or it's not acceptable in the police culture. The psychiatrist comes in eventually, because Wojo has been sent to this guy. And then the psychiatrist comes in, and he starts to interview everybody, and he... I, apparently this guy is very big into Rorschach tests and does that test with everybody. I did like the scene with Nick and Dr. Estrahazi. That was great. The whole elephant wearing a hat thing. But the way that Barney somehow like turns him around and just completely bowls this guy over, that was an amazing scene. When Hal Linden is good in this show, he's really good. And this, I mean, this episode 
we do get to see Hal Linden at, I mean, because in the next two episodes, there's kind of this weird plot line that almost kind of sidelines his character for the entire two episodes. In this episode, that scene is great. And look, I mean, like I said, when Hal Linden's on, he's really on. And that's like, that's what I love about this show is it does have these moments that feel like very contemporary levels of like self-awareness writing. I don't even see police shows now that are this kind of self-aware sometimes. And this show has these moments like the moment with Chano last season where it's like confronting these things that you know is going on, but doing it in a way that like Barney Miller can balancing being serious, but at the same time still being a comedy. So I didn't even realize you put it together for me that Mr. Fremkes from the last episode who they talked to at the beginning is now here. I, I swear he said Frumkiss, and now we've got Frumkiss, but I imagine they have to be the same person because this guy is super upset again about lewd behavior. He's got, he's been knocking over all these newsstands where they have these papers. Basically, it sounds like the Beauty kind of mags. stuff that you get handed on the street in Las Vegas where it's like, hey, call up this escort. It seems like whole newspapers full of that stuff. And then they start reading him, and then Inspector Luger shows up. And doing the old pervert man thing. Okay, so the thing that I appreciate now about Luger's character, and I feel like it's kind of always been this way, but it's getting more obvious now. Before, I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be in on the joke. And now I think it's pretty obvious that he is. He's intentionally a moron. He's not, like, actively trying to be malicious. He just kind of is an idiot. I like that the show is more embracing it now and less making him antagonistic and more just like another player on the show. Because when he was antagonizing the main cast, I didn't like it as much. But now that he just like shows up, clowns around and leaves, like I, I it's great. James Gregory's great. Yeah, he's not making racist racist Asian jokes. He's not making Polish jokes. Now he he seems to actually care about the guys too. Like when he comes in, it's like, "Hey, Doctor Estrazi, Wojo's a great cop," kind of thing. Which I don't think the Luger of say ten episodes would have done that. No, no, and now he does, and it's it's appreciated because James Gregory is a great actor, as seen in in this scene, as seen in pretty much everything that we've seen him in this season. Sans maybe some of the early episodes, but I don't think he's really been around this season too much. It feels like maybe every five episodes we'll see him. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably have a Luger watch. Maybe like make a little uh, sound effect that we can do like a morning shock jock kind of thing and just like, oh, it's Luger. Luger, 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 Because of the whole thing that, you know, and you've, you've mentioned it before, the me beating the horse to death about Barbara Barry being on the show, but being billed. I believe at some point, doesn't James Gregory start getting billed in the credits at the beginning of the show? I would think so. I'm very curious what happens with our next episode because things are going to change, but we'll definitely be talking about that uh, next month when we get back together. He's in 66 episodes of the show. Yeah. After 76, he becomes more of a regular, but it looks like he's not... James Gregory is in 66 of 171 episodes. As far as I'm concerned, that's like a supporting character. That's like a William B. Davis in X-Files type like thing. You know what I mean? Like you show up enough to be considered a memorable enough character. 
you know, and he's not like Steve Landsberg is going to be in the show permanently, pretty much coming up. Same with the guy who plays the mole. Not that level, but like one down from that. I think he's in the cover picture that we use on our Facebook group. You know, it's, it's, he's definitely that much of a character that we see him, we see Ron Carey. I mean, it's like that group of guys. I, don't think that Steve Landisberg's in the photo, ironically enough. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Ron Carey, James Gregory, Abe Vigoda, Max Gale, Ron Harris, Jack Sue, and the man himself, Hal Linden, right there in the photo. So yeah, James Gregory's there. It's Luger! 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 Luger is here. Outside of the main players, he has the highest amount of episodes in the show. So he actually, funny enough, do you want to take a guess who he actually has more episodes than of the titular main cast of the show? Well, definitely more than Barbara Barry. We know that. I know, but it's someone you, it's, it's one of the main cast. I bet you it's Fish. Yeah, it's Abe Vigoda. He has three more episodes than Abe Vigoda. That's how big of a character this guy is and is going to be more obviously given how little Abe Vigoda... I mean, like, this is the end of the show as we know it in some respects. It's it's kind of a weird thing. Like, we didn't really have any of this with Kolshak. But, like, when we get to this final episode, that's kind of the end of the show in a lot of ways. No more Chano. Yeah. So let's talk about the next one, which is... And I was very surprised about this. It is the episode called The Kid. And here we have the return of a character who I didn't think was going to come back. Mr. <laughs> right? Is it Mr... Mr. Woolen. Mr. Woolen. Mr. Newell is the other man in this whole kind of weird scenario that comes out of this episode. Right, right. Yeah, I almost thought that they would have called this the hearing aid, but no, it was called the kid. And we've seen bad kids before. You were talking about retreading stuff. We've seen a little bit like this when we had like Todd Bridges on the show. That's right, Todd Bridges. I remember that. But here we've got Claudio Trujillo. And he was caught by fish because uh, he was trying to pick fish's pocket on the subway. The kid accuses fish of being some sort of pervert. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, boy. And now we have Mrs. Trujillo, who very lovely Angelina Estrada, who definitely I don't know if she's picking up on fish because she wants her son to get out of jail or if she's honestly interested in fish as a sexual object. I would like to believe the latter. I mean, he's probably hanging dong big time. I mean, come on, dude. It's a pagoda. He's classic Hollywood. Like all those guys, Milton Burrow, all those dudes were like. Sex perverts, dude. All of them. I mean, they were all fucking freaky. Come on. I could see. I mean, look, Abe Goat is a good looking dude. And albeit the fact that he is like looks like he's 90 in this show and he was like, what, 52 is probably my favorite thing about Abe Goat. Because Abe Goat like didn't age. He like was one age always. He's like reverse Keanu Reeves. It's very bizarre. It's amazing to go back even like what, three years, four years before this came out? I guess it was more like five years, really. And look at him in The Godfather. He looks so much younger, and it's only five years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Abe Bogota is just one of those actors that, I don't know, he just like, as much of like an old curmudgeon bastard as he's kind of known for as this character and the kind of character that he's known for as an actor, he still pulled off, like, being cool. 
Like, he's still a cool character, even though he does have this kind of casual misogyny that I think is more a product of the show and less a product of the character. He still is a cool character. Like, he's a cool character. Like, his kind of just cynical bullshit all the time is cool. And it, it jibes with me, obviously. It jibes with you, too, because that's, like, still pretty contemporary character writing. He has the old man stuff down. Mm-hmm. Like, his walk, when he shuffles off to the bathroom, oh, it is just perfect. And the way he says things. I mean, the way he delivers lines is so dry and just so matter-of-fact. And it's great. I mean, it just it plays to Abe Vigoda's strengths as an actor. And yes, I believe he's a sex symbol. Yes, I believe, honestly, she wanted Fish's dick, really. I noticed a few times throughout these four episodes that we watched when he was getting such big laughs and he would have to do something to kill time while the audience was laughing. And there was one where he just started like looking around and it was just like, what are you doing? But I was like, okay, it's just like a fishism or something. (laughs) So I love that he gets those big laughs. Well, at least it's better than a couple episodes back where he was straight up corpsing. While they were laughing when the I forget what was it the episode it's the episode where the guy comes in and he like keeps scooting his chair closer to fish. And then as he's getting closer and Abe Bogota is having to move back, the guy like Abe Bogota is visibly laughing, trying so hard to not laugh. And like, again, it's just I really would love to have been able to watch this show being filmed live because it must have been a blast. It really must have. All like the stuff that we didn't get to see in the actual show must have been must have been just wild. So we've got the whole fish story going on, and then we've got the Mr. Woolen character who comes back from a few episodes ago. He's the guy who found the thirty five hundred dollars just sitting on the street and brings it into the precinct like a good citizen. And now it's not quite thirty days later, and I I did kind of like that they fucked him over by like, oh hey, that was February. Uh so you didn't get you aren't getting the money now. You have to come back tomorrow. As he's just so ready to spend all this money, but then as fate would have it, the when he comes back the next day, they've apprehended this guy Victor Newell who was trying to rob a hearing aid store. I don't necessarily understand him trying to rob the store. I guess he was just trying to rob it of a hearing aid because he doesn't have his hearing. That segment of him and especially of Barney trying to talk with him, everybody trying to talk with this guy, it was really kind of heartbreaking, especially to realize like that this hearing aid was going to cost him, what do you say, $250 and in 1976 money? That was quite a bit. I mean, it's still quite a bet. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work for you? It's just such a fucking lame joke. It's such an easy joke, right? Like, having the characters go like, oh, say something, and like, I didn't hear that! Like, oh my god, like... And look, the scene with Victor Newell's character, or Victor Newell, who's the, the, char- the character's name, and the Mr. Woolen, when he gives him the money for the hearing aid, it's a good scene, right? Like, it's, it's a, it's a genuinely heartwarming scene. And that is such a nice contrast for, like, all the bullshit before that. That was just really not good. It's not like I was offended or anything. It's just not funny because we've seen it a million times. I loved that Yamana gets some really good laugh lines in here. Him trying to talk Mr. Newell into uh, betting on a horse, talking about how much money he would have if he didn't bet on horses. 
And then when when uh, he's being offered some money later, he's like, oh, I've got a couple horses in the fourth race I could bet on. But he can't take the money. Conflict of interest. I was pleasantly surprised at the end of the episode when Fish is making plans for an assignation only to have him be planning that with Bernice. For once, Bernice is not a punching bag that he actually still wants to get with her, meet at some hotel out of the way, and have wild, passionate love. Yeah, that's a great little joke, right? You know, oh, you think it's going to be with... And, like, they do subvert your expectations enough by having Fish go to that house and go see Mrs. Trujillo, right? Because they mentioned that he does go there. It has a good payoff. We haven't mentioned yet, and we should mention, because it factors pretty heavily into these two episodes, how Lyndon broke his foot in real life, uh, and then they had to write it into the show, They kind of just have Barney out of the way most of the episodes. He's just kind of like hanging out off to the side. And in this episode, it's just like the whole scratching the leg thing. But it's like just explained off screen or not. It's like explained on screen, but not really. It seems like they had to just like figure out some bullshit joke like, oh, I slipped while fixing a light bulb in the bathroom. I was glad that Wojo is the only one who has the guts to ask Barney what happened. Yeah, me too. Like, it's, I'm glad it's like, it's like when an actor gets pregnant, right? And it's like, how do we handle this? It's like, at least they didn't just like write him off the show completely. At least they were like, okay, like, we'll just, you know, have you, we'll make some jokes. But he's, I felt like a little bit of a reduced role in these episodes for sure. The same goes for the next episode, The Mole, and his foot's still broken. And I was, for God's sakes, we've, we've been talking about continuity over this whole thing, that we had the one guy come back for the money last episode, that we have Barney's foot still broken in this episode, <laughs> you know? But that one was necessary continuity. We couldn't really get around that one. But it was nice to see that he still had a broken foot, that he's still dealing with this in real life and on the show. I was kind of surprised that they didn't have Barbara Barry show up. Yeah, me too. Right. Like, to help him out or something? For her to show up with, like, I don't know, like a back scratcher or something where he could itch his foot in his his, uh, cast or something. Because, yeah, I did like how Fish just kept reminding him how much it itched. (laughs) Yeah, the seven-year itch. I mean, yeah, like, those are funny jokes. It's just so strange. This feels like a scenario gift-wrapped for that. And I don't know. They don't go for it. It's weird. I mean, again, they, they don't really know how to write female characters on this show, so I should be surprised. But hey, first uh, appearance of Ron Carey. Yeah, Angelo Molinari. A.K.A. The Mole. There's a lot of stuff going on in this episode. There's the whole idea of, well, Barney's foot still being broken, so we get those jokes. There's Fish needing the hemorrhoid operation, which is a pretty good storyline, and I liked his little hemorrhoid donut and that we just saw that in uh, blood money the pre-code film that is uh, a patreon exclusive for the culture cast that was very nice the whole thing of dr crane and philip schroeder the two guys that are fighting what was it in the hotel or something i think it was a hotel and then we've got that whole thing and then severin darden who is one of my favorite character actors showing up as mr randolph cook a street person who is trying to have a warm place to spend the night in the 12th precinct jail cell, but 
kind of uh, per all of this other stuff going on. It's just way too noisy, way too loud. Molinari, once he gets in the cell, won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, he like straight up will not shut up. Just keeps complaining about his chosen profession. Maybe that's why he joined the police academy. He's just having such a hard time with all the stuff he has to pay for in order to be a cat burglar and only to uh, finally have someone who's brave enough to follow him through the sewers. And man, I know I've seen that clip before of Harris busting into the precinct, just shouting, I fell in the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> and all that shit all over him, all over Wojo, all the guys reacting and just like Barney hiding in his office and calling Wojo on the phone to get the story. <laughs> it was good stuff. That A plot with Ron Carey is pretty good. I'm I'm curious to see what his version of the character. I don't know. I'm assuming the character that he played in this episode is nothing like the character he ends up playing on the show. I don't think so. No, I, I will be honest right now. I don't really remember the Levitt character too much other than he's a plain clothes man. So he doesn't really fit in with the detectives. I did find it nice that Wojo, I can't remember if it was this episode or the previous one is going back and trying to take that detective exam again, like still trying to make it to the next grade. And I want to say Levitt might be someone who's kind of, jealous of them being detectives but we'll have to see next season i'm really curious because i know that they're not him and landsberg aren't main characters next season that's the fourth season right okay next season they're just like reoccurring characters but they're the characters that they will play in the fourth season so they were introducing them in the third season i guess or kind of i guess seeing how they would play with the rest of the characters because season four is where Vagoda leaves. I remember there was an episode called Goodbye, Mr. Fish or something like that. Yeah. Abe Vagoda has one more season. But yeah, to your point, this is the final episode that we get to see Gregory Sierra. And per Wikipedia, they're not going to explain why his character left in season three. So uh, that's a bummer. I would love it if Chano had gotten a spin-off show of some sort. You know, he was he was such a good character and Gregory Sierra who just passed in between us recording these episodes, such a great actor and just always brought so much to every role that he did. He was just whenever he would show up, he would make things better. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. I mean, we had tried speaking with him a couple times, right? I think we tried twice. And we never heard back. And, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. And, I mean, he was getting up there in age. And, obviously, that's a real thing that happens now is, uh, you know, I wouldn't blame anyone for not wanting to to talk with us. But, man, he was so good in this show. Like, I would have loved to have picked his brain about that last episode of the first season where he, he has to, you know, him and Barney have this really heart-to-heart -heart moment. I mean, those were some really good moments in this show from his character. And it's... It's a it's a bummer that he's passed because unfortunately all the actors of the show are getting up there in age. It's I mean Ron you know Ron Harris has already passed away or Ron Ron Harris right Ron this was yeah I mean he's already passed away. Uh, you know Jack Sue passed away while they were filming the show. I mean there's not too many of them left, so getting to watch this show is you know you really get to appreciate how good they were together, and it really makes these first two seasons of the show feel special in a way. Ron Glass, I'm sorry. Harris is the okay, character. Yeah. Glass is the is the man. With them both being called Ron, it's like, 
That's what I figured. But you really realize, and I'm sure we're going to realize it a lot more next season, how special these first two seasons were. And how they did kind of feel like their own little contained story, if you look at it. You could stop watching the show here and probably be okay. But the next season is going to be drastically different. And I'm looking forward to it, but it is going to be different. Yeah, I'm curious where we're going to go. You know, there are certain episodes that I remember from watching them probably in reruns or maybe first run. You know, I already brought up the whole idea of the um, use of the American flag as the the pants. and, And we already talked about that in the Bicentennial episode. So we've gotten there. There's one episode I remember where there's some pop brownies that will be used. And I I'm pretty sure that's going to be maybe season three because of uh, Jack Sue is definitely involved. I can't remember when. Pretty iconic episode, right? Yeah. If you were going to make a top ten of Barney Miller, I think most people would probably put that one in the top ten. So we'll see when that one happens. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of like, oh, yeah, I remember that thing happening in the show. So I'm very curious where we're going to go next season. It is next season and it is episode 11 and it is do you want to know what the name of the episode it is aptly titled one word name brownies hash wojo unknowingly brings hash laced brownies into the precinct and in 1997 tv guide ranked this episode number 77 on the top 100 greatest episodes of all time boy i bet that list is fucking different and i bet barney miller ain't in the top 100 anymore (laughs) It's sad, though, because these things hold up. I was laughing. I caught Andrea laughing quite a few times while we were watching these. So I'm like, all right, it's still good all these years later. This show is hilarious. There is a lot. Like you just said, there's a lot of funny stuff still going on in this show. And the again, the cast of these ensemble cast, man, like we both know how hard it is to do this because we have seen enough things having watched so much stuff. That you just see how easy it is to just fucking bomb ensemble casts. And this ensemble cast ends up just being four people, really. Wojohowitz, Barney, Ron Glass, and... Oh, James Gregory is technically there the entire time. It's Luger! 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 Luger is here! You have those four people, and even though James Gregory's character has kind of changed a lot since we first saw him... Howland and Max Gale and Ron Glass together are so good that they can carry the show even when you're swapping people out. Like, I don't know if the show's going to decline in quality, but as long as those three are together the entire show, which they're going to be, I'm not too worried. I'm really not. I'm very, very curious. I'm looking forward to when we meet again next month to talk about the first three episodes of season three and yeah, exactly what this landscape is going to look like. How are we go- How are we going to survive in a channel-less world? <laughs> what would you come down as your favorite episode of season two? Going back and remembering stuff like Heat Wave or You Dirty Rat, the rat one you know, we talk a lot about how there's stuff that goes on off screen that would be nice if we could see that we just hear about. Mm-hmm. But but I enjoyed that one quite a bit. I liked you, Dirty Rat, a lot. I also liked the rain episode a lot. The rain episode had some interesting stakes to it. And it had a little bit more of like physical slapsticky comedy that the show kind of doesn't always have. But when it does embrace it, it does it really well. And the rain episode, I think, was kind of a little bit more 
comedic show than we're used to. Especially with like the the building moving and all this like kind of weird shit in the coffee. Like it's a wacky episode. And on top of everything else, that it just looked miserable to film on that set. Just completely miserable. There was that really good line, um, I can't remember, like, we've been talking for all of, what, a half an hour, and I can't remember which episode the old ladies are in. Oh, massage parlor. Nick gives one of the old ladies a cup of coffee, and she's just like, you know, we rioted for coffee that bad. (laughs) Over coffee that was that bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, the coffee thing is pretty great. I mean, I, I like that it's now, like, a, it's like a thing now. I think it started this season. Actually, I think... Didn't it start in the rain episode? It might have because they filtered that water through. Nick was convinced that the water would be okay because it filtered through all of the the roof. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I mean, we still have Ava Goda for a while, and then we still have Jack Sue after that. So this is kind of a weird spot. I, I liked the season. I, I liked what this season brought. I like that Wentworth was in this season some more. I think it's unfortunate that Barbara Berry was in this season for seemingly the rest of the show. She'll show up so sporadically it doesn't even matter. I think the season was overall just as good as the first season. When I was growing up, I had a, well, obviously I was very grown because CDs weren't even a thing until I was like 18 or so. But when I was coming up, I had a CD of TV themes. So I got very used to that version of the Barney Miller theme. And I think that's the what we use to play out every episode is that particular version. I can't remember when that version comes into existence because if you watch all the openings back to back to back to back, you'll notice just how much the theme changes. And so eventually we're going to get there to like the theme, but I'm curious with next season, how different the theme is going to be. Well, in next season we do get another female character. So, yeah, we get uh, June Gable, who plays Detective Maria Batista. She's in uh, a couple episodes, two to be exact. She sounds fiery. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea with this show anymore. Like, I love that this show just kind of has its own internal logic and it kind of works by it. Even if it just kind of has characters going in and out of the ethereal plane, seemingly at random. And there they go off to their planet again. I am very curious since the second and third episodes of next season are called Quarantine Part 1 and 2. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Good to see someone else endure a quarantine. Exactly, exactly. Well, Chris, when you are not talking about Barney Miller, where can people find you? Find me over at the Culture Cast. That is culturecast.com, talking movies. Mike and I also do another podcast together talking about the Twilight Zone 1985. It's called Dreams for Sale, so you should check that out. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Christmas Claus. That's where I post all the things I work on. What about you, Mike? As always, I am available to hear every week at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank John Walker for our theme song. If you want to make us really happy, go on over to iTunes and rate and review the show. Feel free to follow the show have you noticed that itunes changed subscribe now to follow did you notice I did that not. i did not apparently 45 percent of people think that subscribe means that you have to pay for it oh my 
We will never charge you for an episode of no. the Barney Miller podcast. I'm not sure I would ever charge anyone for any episodes of my podcast, any podcast I work on. How could I logically charge for something I've been giving away for free for eight years, <laughs> seven years? Like what all of a sudden, what, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of like charging people for oxygen. You've had it for so long at this point. How could you? Well, it's like the drug dealers say, you know, the first eight years are free. Yeah, right. Tell Spreaker that.